Roxo Media House. A signal 51 is police code for an investigation. A law enforcement proceeding that is a systemic and thorough attempt to learn the facts about a possible crime that is complex and whose facts and circumstances are generally hidden, at least initially, behind obstacles that can be coincidental and or man-made. Investigations methods are formal. I'm John Henry, a journalist. My partner is Jake White, a retired Fort Worth police sergeant. Together, we examine the difficult cases of law enforcement, both in Fort Worth and around the region. This is Signal 51. The show is designed specifically for a more mature audience. Some of the content is graphic and is not intended for younger audiences. This week on the Signal 51 Chronicles, the hard card truth. The late 1980s and early 1990s was a heyday for collectors. We're not talking Beanie Babies, Cabbage Patch Dolls. Do you have any Cabbage Patch ball, uh, Dolls? No, I, I did not. Cabbage Patch Dolls. OJ stuff at a hotel in Las Vegas. If it does not fit, you must acquit, which is what that jury wanted to do anyway. Or some other fad collectible. No, no, we were talking sports cards. Who among us didn't trade sports cards growing up? So how exactly does a true crime podcast and a hobby of collecting cross paths? It's a good question. For this answer, we turn to one source, Barnabies.com. The notable Barnabies.com. Very notable for appraising stuff, yeah. I think. On August 28th, 2022, a Mickey Mantle Tops rookie card from the year 1952 sold for a shocking $12.6 million at Heritage Auctions, nearly doubling the former record price of $6.9 million for a Honus Wagner rookie card, right? Yeah, rookie card. The T206. And becoming the most expensive trading card in history, that Mantle card did, the sports trading card industry experienced a resurgence during the pandemic. That damn pandemic. When nostalgic pursuits were revisited. A lot of things were revisited. Of course, that TX Whiskey, too. Got a lot of revisits on that. (laughs) The sports trading industry is estimated today to be worth more than $13 billion. So that's how crime and sports collectibles merge. Always comes back to the money. Green dough. Now, of course, this $13 billion figure today was not always this way. If you remember in the 80s and 90s, we all turned to a more rudimentary source of valuation. We turned the pages of Beckett magazines. Scrolling through the long list of cards and their correlating values, We would find the arrow pointing up on a near mint. Kevin Moss's, Greg Jeffries, or the likes of Mike Greenwell. Remember those guys? I wasn't born yet. (laughs) Yes, I remember. I certainly do remember. Kevin Moss was like the hottest thing. That Kevin Moss card was off the charts early on. I remember that. They had high hopes for him. I know it. Kind of sizzled out. I call it Yankee prejudice. No. Perhaps it's that. As the years went on, the arrow went from up 
to down Kevin Moss. And then the names disappeared as their careers failed. So once where kids looked at these cards as investments, the manufacturers began to produce them in mass quantities, watering down their value. Ultimately, the scarcity was no more. So like any other supply and demand component, the value declined. It was not until around 2020 in that pandemic did things start to turn around. Remember those staggering figures. According to invaluable.com, quote, today it's the physical baseball cards that are still highly prized among collectors in an industry that shows no signs of slowing down. In fact, the trading card market grew by 142% in 2020, according to eBay. And the record-breaking sale of our boy Mickey Mantle's 1952 Topps card reflects the growing value of the global sports cards market, which is expected to increase to an eye-popping $98 billion in 2022. That is a huge increase. From, from from around thirteen billion today, yeah, to ninety eight billion in twenty twenty four. I guess we'll see. So, yeah, tell us tell us about your yeah, your, I mean, your card collecting like career. Like so Jake. many others, I, was, I had a few. Sports cards consumed any and all free time that I had, which back then in the late eighties, early nineties was a lot. Well, school. yeah, I mean, school was never top of the list for me. Grab ass was, however, a lot, lot of, a lot of grab assery, <laughs> a lot of grab assery, <laughs> lots of that. Uh, but yeah, so like so many other kids, like I said, it consumed my time. Mm-hmm. It, it did become my form of currency. Uh, I did everything I could to keep them in good shape because the condition of them was paramount. Of course, especially when it came to. Um, selling them or using them as the kid currency and selling them I did anytime I needed money I always had the go-to I just signed George Brett card that I had to, that I had to ditch pay for pay for a phone bill in I got a college I, I, this is a quick 20 second time yeah this is a true story mm-hmm. this is circa 1986 in the town of St. Joseph Missouri yeah the birthplace of this guy yeah I went to what I think, if I recall correctly, was a Lions Club event with my grandfather. Mm -hmm. And the reason this was significant was twofold. One, I got out of school. And two, George Brett was going to be there speaking. And I knew that I was going to get a George Brett autograph. So he sits on this stage. And George Brett is like your George Washington. Yeah. Yeah, for a simpleton such as me, yes. So... You're Moses. Well, listen, I don't want to go that far. I don't want to correlate him to a biblical figure. <laughs> so there's George Brett in this Ramada Inn ballroom. The Ramada Inn. <laughs> do those still exist? I don't know. Do they? I don't know. Anyway, go on. He's sitting on this stage. Mm. The audience of about, I don't know, 150 people. You're eating the, the just the the stereotypical food, you know, the lousy banquet food, lousy banquet, grilled chicken breast, salad, whatever, right? Luby's is Riata compared to what what you get these things. Exactly. So George Brett gets up and I don't even remember what he says. I mean, 
It was, yeah, who, I, I have no clue, no recollection of the conversation. And it is because, oh, in the midst of I the George Brett speech, a man had a heart attack. Uh huh. And a lady jumps up and screams something to the effect of, is there a doctor in the house? My eyes are glued on George Brett because I think, hey, this dude hit 390 before. Surely it's, he can save this guy's life. I'm sure he knows how to save this guy. Uh-huh. So I'm like, what's George Brett going to do? Yeah. That's my nine or ten year old Dennis. And he hopped right up, he hopped right into action. Opposite, dude. Total <laughs> opposite. That dude just plowed into that chicken. He breast. kept eating. Oh. <laughs> Didn't skip a beat. He's got to be out of there in an hour. What happened to the guy? He I had don't a date. know. I, he's got some legendary stories. I got the card signed, and I digress. Oh, you actually did get it signed. Oh, yeah, of course. I had it for years, and then I don't know. I may still have it. I'd have to look. Yeah, I had to sell mine. With, with you know, but me like so many other kids. So by the time I hit 21 or so, my once, I thought, impressive collection had dwindled to just a few keepsakes that, that I still have today. So, I, you know, I've always kept my eye on it because it was a big part of my childhood. But the collecting thing now has, it seems to be so convoluted, I can't keep track. Right? It's like, like Bitcoin. <laughs> it's like Bitcoin. I mean, because back in our day, we had a few brands, three, four brands, right? Every, you just had numbered cards. Yeah. There were no... Limited ins- options. Yeah, the limited options. There were no crazy inserts. There were no autograph cards uh, as a whole that you would pull from these packs. It was very, very easy to to keep track. I mean, a 10-year-old could do it. Now, a kid, you are, 10-year-olds, you know, flying drones and, I don't know, playing video games and whatever else. Oh, yeah. I don't even know. I mean, I think some kids still do nowhere at the level that it was. All right. Well... But so as I got older, I mean, like I said, this was a huge part of my life, but there was the, I don't know, the proverbial kick to the sack. As I grew older, I realized that all of those cards that I thought I could have retired on are now worthless. That was, was kick to the sack actually in Proverbs in the old Testament. Uh, You told me it was. Oh, well then it must be. You typed this. (laughs) So, my, my interest in it waned, right, to, well, nothing. And then, over the last couple of years, I've started, uh, I've started to become interested in it. To the point, I have now found myself watching the TikTok video or whatever reels, I don't, I don't know the social media stuff enough to know, of grown men opening baseball cards. I have consumed time in my day of watching grown men open baseball cards. That's what we've come to. That's, yeah. Now, with that, though, that is what brings us here today. The idea of does the sports card collecting intersect with our True Crime podcast? And sure enough, it does. Sure looks like it. Because on February 8th, a year ago, 2022, at 3.41 a.m., 
two men smashed through the front doors of the American Dream Sports Card Store in Haltom City, Grand Haltom City, our little suburb and one-time rival of Fort Worth for the seat, the county seat of Tarrant County. Can you imagine if Haltom City was the county seat of how, Tarrant? How different would that world be? Man. Yeah. This would be one. Bunch of <laughs> old broken down neons and <laughs> stuff on Belknap or wherever else. <laughs> Use car lots everywhere. Oh, man. All right, stop it. Oh, Haltom City. Uh, fine jewelry, though, oh, Haltoms. Um, so anyway, but but once in, these guys, they eyed the prize, or so they thought. They quickly went to work and smashed out the glass on the display cases, and within seconds, they took over $9,000 worth of sports trading cards. And not a whole, but not, not a whole bunch of them. I've got either. the list here. You want me to read it? Yeah, let's do it. One was uh, Jason Tatum's, the Boston Celtics, I believe, still plays for them. Boston Celtics star. And that card was valued at $24.95. That was a 2018-19 Panini Prism. And I don't know what Prism means, but... It's PSA graded at an 8. We'll oh, PSA, yeah, PSA graded at an 8. Kristaps Porzingis. I don't know who would want that card. The old Dallas Mavericks now... Now a member of, I believe, the Knicks. Washington Wizards. Oh, he's with the Wizards now. All right. I, when did they change from the Wizard, from the Bullets? Oh, you're going to get canceled about, for that. Uh, 12 years. Oh, at least. Yeah, maybe 20. That's what they used to be called. Yeah. Baltimore Bullets. And they had to change it because it was well, oh. politically incorrect. Oh. I'm just kidding. I know they. So his 2018-19 Panini was valued at $39.95. Jason Tatum appears again. The same card valued at a PSA 9. Jake's going to have to explain that later. Oh, we have a guest that might be able to explain that. Yes, we do have a guest. Uh, same value, $24.95 is his other one. Great name here. Fred Van Vliet. Another 2018 19 penny. $29.95. Hold on. Do you, who's Fred Van Vliet? He's a basketball player for uh, point guard Toronto Raptors. There you go. Two Fred Van Vliet's were taken as these guys absconded from the scene. Trey Young. We all know Trey Young. Superstar from Oklahoma. His father was Rayford Young. Fantastic point guard at the University of the South Plains, Texas Tech. $99.95 for that 19 and 20. Eric Pascal, $39.95. And then here comes Big Money Grip. Trevor Lawrence, 2021 so-called certified freshman fabric RPA 149. It's all Greek to me. $1,000. And then another connection to Texas Tech. Patrick Mahomes, quarterback extraordinaire, Kansas City Chiefs, Jake's favorite quarterback of all time. I don't know how, actually he's not, I don't understand how anybody can dog cuss Patrick Mahomes, especially when he's your team. I've never understood that. I don't, 
dog cuss him. Oh, it's Andy Reid, you dog cuss. I don't dog cuss him. I'll I tell you, when you when I, I got some text messages that night of that <laughs> AFC Championship game, it looked like they were going to lose, and Andy Reid was a bum. He's only he's only been to the he's only been to the AFC Championship game five straight years. You know who's taking his spot? And you now know. they've won it two of the last four years. You know who's taking his spot here in a few years? Jake White is an extremely high maintenance sports fan. I'll just tell you that right now. Well, anyway, that Patrick Mahomes card went for five hundred ninety, or or was valued at five hundred ninety nine dollars for the grand total of nine thousand three hundred and ninety one bucks that they got ripped off. Yeah, there's a whole Austin slew City. of other things that were taken. This was just one of the lists that we were able to get. So. With this list, though, this is what I'm talking about. Prism, Mosaic, mm-hmm. Certified Fabric. Yeah. Sounds like marketing mumbo-jumbo to me. I didn't even know what all that means. Yeah. I'm just familiar with card numbers. You know, like the number one, 1989, Upper Deck, Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, so that was the first one they printed, huh? Iconic. I, oh, classic. Yeah, I, I've, I think I've got that one. My, well, yeah, you may. I think I did. We're going to have to get that thing graded. You amongst 48,000 other people who have. Exactly. I might be able to buy you a couple of drinks for it. We got the, the my other favorite card of all time. The 1990 score. Oh. Card number 697. Mm-hmm. Bo Jackson. The old Bo. The one where he's wearing the football pads with the baseball bat. You now, were, keep, you were a, uh, still are very much a Bo Jackson. Oh, huge. Homer. Oh, huge. And kid playing kid Kansas City Royals, of course. Yeah, I mean, I got to see him play when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, it was phenomenal. That's what I'm used to. Simple. Card one. Card 697. The list you read, I'm confused. I, I mean, I really am. So we're going back to the American Dreams sports card burglary. You met this guy who owns. I, I talked to him. I did. So, fortunately, the owner, a guy named Scott Mann, he was a super nice guy. There was a break in the case. Less than 24 hours, according to news reports, after the burglary, another card shop owner in Bedford called Bedford Police and said there was a female inside of his store and she was trying to sell some of the loot. Mm-mm-mm quickly officers from the bedford police department another fine suburb of fort worth uh-huh. <clears throat> h-e-b h-e-b they arrived the female was taken into custody all right so before we carry on cops on this type of thing in haltom city not a bustling city like a metropolis like fort worth or dallas or arlington there's a burglary at this card shop they send detectives in right is that what happens they cops arrive there and they send detectives in and how 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 no there are no detectives no detectives are coming most likely okay (laughs) it's gonna be a do this like from the cop perspective i mean nine thousand dollars it's a lot of money i I agree i but we're gonna get it we're gonna get into why this may not have been solved So, some two hours to our south, the now-closed Apollo Sports Card and Collectibles said on Facebook, quote, Our shop, Apollo Sports and Collectibles, located in Cove Terrace Shopping Center, 
was broken into this morning, November 11th of 2022 at 2.43 a.m. The four people were in and out very quickly and stole a great amount of product from us. I've attached surveillance videos, so please, if you recognize anyone or have any information, please call the upstanding, I added upstanding, Copperas Cove Police Department and reference our store name. Please like and share this post. Same day mm-hmm. as the Copperas Cove. Just a little to the south in a town known as Austin. The Lucky Sevens Cards and Collectibles located at 13945 North Highway 183 fell victim. Same MO, smashed the glass on the front door, went inside, broke the cases. This time, they ran off with close to $50,000 worth of merchandise. Look out. Also in this case, I was able to speak to the owner of Lucky Sevens. Hope hope the insurance premiums were all paid. Exactly. So to this day, he's uncertain if the assailants have ever been caught. Uh, But I did learn like we did in our research, this is kind of a problem. Not oh, Lucky yeah. Sevens. This is a problem or was a bigger problem, perhaps still is, in the industry as a whole. Forget banks. Let's get sports cards. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, it, there's so many of these stories. But in this case, the Lucky Sevens case, the assailants came in. They appeared to target football and basketball-related products. The majority of what they took were unopened packs of cards. Um... And because of this, Lucky Sevens and other card stores have had to install roll-down doors to prevent these smash-and-grab type burglaries. It's like it's like the corner drugstore guarding against all the meth heads, you know. It's yeah, same yeah, exactly. With those bars on it, but they're so selling they baseball it. cards, football cards, basketball cards. Yeah. It's crazy. So around the same time, this is from a MySanAntonio.com news report. <clears throat> believe that's the San Antonio Express news. You would know. <laughs> After only being open for two months, a Northwest side card and collectible shop in San Antonio has experienced a devastating loss. After about $25,000 worth of high-end sports memorabilia was stolen from the shop on April 23rd, same year. Victor Nava, the owner of Boomtown Sports Cards and Collectibles, told my essay the robbery set his store back to square one adding they've been trying to get their feet on the ground since opening this location on Bandera and Peru roads Nava said it's devastating the amount of product that was taken from here it's pretty shocking Nava found out about the crime after receiving a notification on his phone of how someone shattered his glass window with a brick at around 2.50am Um, His mom, who also lived just a short distance from the shop, was sent an alert. Uh, When San Antonio police arrived, they believed the suspect stole the items within 30 seconds to a minute. In and out. Quick. Uh, As of Wednesday, April 27th of 2022, police had no leads, uh, no arrest. The store started offering some rewards. Still no luck. This didn't set back... uh, the owner of that store too much. He was able to get his feet back on the ground and and get open quickly as possible. 
But I want to go back to the American Dream Sports Card Store in Haltom City. So I did, like I mentioned earlier, I spoke to the owner, Scott Mann. And I wondered how, this is where I started getting confused with this stuff. Now they're no longer in Haltom City, right? Uh, no, we're gonna we're gonna tell you their new location yeah. here coming up. So I got confused, I, I began to grow confused of how would a card store in another city know that man's cards were the same, one and the same. Again, my frame of reference is very elementary. Right. Yeah, a, you're talking about like a like a serial number. How would somebody know? Yeah, that's a card. Yeah, that was stolen in mm-hmm. Haltom City, and they might try to. Would have no idea. So the this card, this sports card industry, it's a small community, right? The they're everything like well, like with everyone else, they're heavily involved in social media and things like that, and they got the word out. So the employee at the other card store used to work for Scott at American Dreams. The one in Bedford. The one in Bedford. Mm-hmm. So the the cards that were taken, the ones that you rattled off, they're unique cards. Uh, so when the female suspect entered the Bedford store called Collectible Investments, the, the employee quickly identified seven or eight of the cards she was trying to sell and recognized those as ones that were taken in the burglary at American Dreams when it was in, in Halton City. City. So the employee, he stalled. You know, who knows what his tactic was. Hey, uh, let me run to the back. Let me do this, whatever. And he calls Bedford Police. Bedford Police get there. When they show up, there's a getaway car in the parking lot. It was like a tan Ford of sorts. A sedan. That car burns off. Takes off pretty quickly. Gets away. Bedford Le- leaves the... Leaves the scene. Not, not... Police at that point probably don't know that it's involved. Um... Plus, they really don't know what the crime is. You know, some, sometimes these these kind of calls could be a little... you got to get there and figure it out before you know what you got, before you, quote-unquote, start jacking everyone up. So, they go inside. Jacking, and, jacking everyone up. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Blast from the past, that is. Could be jacking with, too, but whatever. Go ahead. So... The police go in there, they detain the female, they get enough to arrest her for what, who knows. And we're going to get to that too. They confiscate the cards, which presumably still sit in a dusty old police property room in the city of Bedford, probably taped up in a box with some cops initials and badge numbers and a report number and things like that. Better not have written on them. No, I don't, I don't think they did. They're probably still sitting yeah. in this box. Gotcha. So a month later, a month after this burglary, Man starts getting these phone calls, and it's a female. She won't identify herself. Won't say who she is, other than she works for the Panini Sports Card Manufacturer, which is which is local. I don't know exactly where. It's somewhere in our uh, it's in Grand Prairie. Grand Prairie. Grand Prairie. In our yeah. vast metropolitan area. So she provides some names of possible suspects to Man. Man passes this information along to the Haltom City Police Department. Uh, he learned that one of them may be an ex-con. Mm, imagine that. But the case went nowhere. Hmm. Nothing happened. And this is uh, over a year. No, it was 23. No, this was in 22. This was in 22. So uh, this would have been around March of 22. So about a year ago today. Mm-hmm. So six months ago, or six months after the burglary of American Dreams, a guy comes into Man's store. 
another ode to why stealing these cards probably aren't a good idea. We're going to get to that as well. But this guy comes in with a graded Joe Montana numbered to 10. For, for our non-sports fans, Joe Montana was an acclaimed Kansas City Chiefs quarterback. Four-time Super Bowl winning quarterback, never with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, do you, but he won with the four. He did play for the Chiefs, but right before retirement. Right before retirement. I know. He, right, he never won a Super Bowl with oh, the Chiefs. Yeah, I, was, oh, okay. I thought I just tripped you up on some sports But trivia. he did indeed play for the Chiefs. No, he did. I agree. For maybe one or two years. Tail end of his career. Yeah. That's, was, that's where quarterbacks go to die. He was... Wait a minute. That can't possibly be true. We got we got a star there right now. But anyway, he played. Yeah, he had a couple of good games, maybe a good year with Kansas City. Well, I digress. Well, so this Joe Montana card, mm-hmm. number 210, meaning there's only 10 of these in existence. Wow. So Scott knew the one that he had. And what do you know? It's the same it's one. It's the same one taken in the burglary. A clue, some may say. Well, Scott confronts this guy. I, re- sport- I really want this story to end with Joe Montana solving the crime. But anyway, <laughs> go ahead. It may. He confronts this sports card selling. In the movie, hope. that's the way it'll be. In the movie, that's how it'll be. But this sports card selling hopeful tells man, hey, I just bought this from a dude at a quick trip gas station. I don't want to ruffle your feathers with a quick trip gas station. I'm a quick trip guy. I believed you called it a fine cuisine or something of the sorts just uh, this past weekend. You took your... It is at um, 2.30 in the morning. With a guy from North Dakota. Yeah. That's where you take him. Well, where else are we going to go? Whataburger. They don't have, they we don't, need we needed to we needed to be within a very <laughs> short drive. Oh man, I don't know. Okay, you're you're right. I agree. So, but he this guy buys his car to, for, at a Quick Trip gas quick station trip in the parking station. lot. A few others. Man knows it's his card, right? Because of the number. Mm-hmm. Well, so unfortunately, this lead too did not pan out. So here's the problem. We've talked about this before. Yeah, this is where I was wondering if this was going. So, we live in a very large metropolitan area. Some could say there might be an elevated crime rate in the area. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most can say the resources of the police are depleted. Morale's in the crapper. Definitely, all that's true. So, there are these crimes, like a murder robbery, all these other heinous crimes that take priority. Now, albeit having nine or $10,000 stolen from you is a hard pill to swallow, especially if you're the victim. I just don't think there's enough resources that could have addressed this. So did he, so did, did a man buy his card back? What happened? Or the cops show up and no, no, I mean it. He just it, said he just said I'm not going to buy it. Well, yeah, I mean it's one of those. De- how far do you want to push the issue, right? I mean, who knows what? I mean, let's face it. The guy did buy a baseball card in the parking lot of a Quick Trip gas station, or so he says. Who knows if that's true or not? Um, so in this case and these others, there's still no closure. These three that we cited, and there are hundreds across the U.S. 
Unbelievable. It's pretty rare they get solved. I bet. But here's the problem. It's kind of pointless to break into these. So I dug into that. The reason why this industry has changed a lot, right? So you have these numbered cards. They're unique now. If you've got this Joe Montana 6 of 10 or whatever the card number is, that's the only Joe Montana 6 of 10 for that year, that brand. So then they take it to the next level. They have this whole grading thing now. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, back in our day, we had Beckett, Mint, Near Mint. What was the other one, the low one? Or was there just... No, it was it was Near Mint and Mint. Yeah, Near Mint and Mint. <clears throat> well, now they have this, this grading procedure that they send to. One of the main ones called PSA. I don't know what PSA stands for, but you mail your card off. It goes, I mean, I guess you have these baseball card gurus that just examine yeah. cards. I don't know. I think Experts in the field that some f- are totally in tune with condition. Totally in tune with condition. All right. So they assign a grade to it, a number to it, like 10 being pristine, a gym mint 10. And you pay to do that. Yeah, you pay to do it too. And But with that, they also have the ability to catalog your card with a barcode on there. So if you break into a sports card store and you steal a Joe Montana 6 of 10 that's been PSA graded and it's with the, the barcode with on the it barcode now. on there and you take it to a sports card store in Houston. This is owned by X that can tell who owns this card. It's right? Ca- yeah, it's cataloged. Yeah. So there's really at that point, because if you take it out of the case and it's no longer graded, the value takes a significant hit from what I gather. So the whole point of this is probably not the best thing to steal. But I think we need to dig a little deeper, John. Well, <clears throat> to do this, we have to go back into the past. And of course, the past tells us about the present and it gives us a glimpse of the future. So you might have noticed we had a we have a a another voice with us today. He is a notorious collector out of Houston area. Pardon me, the Houston area. Some have called him the sports card gangster. Others referred to him as the sports card bully. But with us is a man others call Junk Wax Jockins. Daryl Jockins, welcome to the show, Signal 51 Chronicles. Now, I must add, before before we we hear his story, mm-hmm. some, some estimates had the collection of Junk Wax Jockins valued at over $100,000 in 1991. Good lordy. Today, though, estimates hover in the range of 800 to 1,000. The prized possession being a recently graded John Elway rookie valued at roughly $100. How far the mighty have fallen. Hence the term junk wax. A, 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 a term that, uh, if you remember, going back to watching these grown men open baseball cards, one of them is uh, junk wax, uh, junk wax sow. Funny guy. Funny guy. Cap- it captivates me. I can tell you that. I've Mesmerizing. Mesmer- I mean, I've watched 
at least 130 second videos of him opening cards and pulling out a bunch of nothing. So this junk wax term though, just so you're clear, it's about 86 to 93 era. It's anything with the wax in the, in the, uh, a lot of times it was either stickers or gum, right? So you recall very easy to open. Yep. You can tamper with it. Yeah. There's wax, wax paper. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This, these are, those are the ones that were just grossly overproduced. And then also everybody, again, kind of going back to what we talked about, everybody kept such good care of them. The scarcity is no more. Everybody had a mint Ken Griffey Jr. or, a, you know, I don't know what else we got. You know, everybody took care of their cards. You know, as soon as you got it, you put it in a sleeve, put it in a little top loader and you never touch it with a human hand again. <laughs> All right, so junk wax. We need to know what the industry was like from the perspective of a kid in the late 80s and 90s. Like, what was, what influence did it have on you growing up? I mean, other than, you know, you, you're breaking bad, obviously. Of course. And, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, thank you. The conversation. Thank you, junk wax. And the... You know, just the story alone really speaks volumes of how far this industry has gone. Uh, and, you know, when Jake and I collected, I would say those were, you know, some of the most formidable years of our lives growing up because uh, my first sports card related conscious, you know, thought that I had was walking into a Kmart out in the uh, Sugarland area. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, you know, right there by the, all the gum and candy, you have the box and there's a, you know, bright colors and, and you, you had the star player on the box and, you know, it would only cost you, you know, 50 cents to a dollar at that time for a pack. Pack a pack of what, like ten or fifteen cards? Ten or fifteen cards. So it was reasonable for a and a stick of gum. It was reasonable for a ten-year-old me to, you know, do a little extra around the house, you know, have that chore money, and you know, find something that you can either, you know, keep, trade, or sell. Right. So you weren't running guns no. to get this to <clears throat> to acquire this. Doing dishes. Do, just doing dishes. Not at all. You're no. running dishes. Is what I was. You're doing. I was vacuuming i was dusting i was doing dishes changing the changing the channel yeah i was i was earning my keep gotcha and my keep was baseball cards yeah football cards and basketball cards and you know at the time you know there was so much buzz around it you know you had tons of stores you know the card shops you had pretty much a, a card show every weekend and uh, you know as a as a child you know it was magical you know you got to see stuff that you never saw before because this is all pre-internet uh, you had guides like Jake said so you had an idea of how much you were investing and how much your return was so we were kind of in a way playing the you know the, the baseball card stock market per se mm -hmm. right Oh, and there's some grown men who lost their ass on that, too. Yeah, I believe it. So I started small, you know, a few packs here, a few packs there. Um, and then you would trade up, you know, and then you would pull that 
you know, 1989 Billy Ripken F face error. I think I, I think I might have that card. And yeah, if you, for everyone that is listening, you know, they, they had these error cards and people would chase them and because they were a little more rare or unique and, you know, card dealers would offer you cash for it. And at the time, you know, we would get a lot of trades, which was nice. But anytime you can get cash or a card, that's king, right? So, you know, you go to a card show, you only had a, you know, maybe $40, $50 in your pocket. But if you can bust open a pack and get something that's that you know you can get $100 for, $200 for, um, you know, they, again, it, it was it was kind of the, the the way that we conducted business back in the day, mm-hmm. right? All of the friends would get together. We would have trade parties. We'd actually gamble with cards too. Mm. So, you know, we'd play poker and play some basketball. Whoever won one-on-one would, you put your card up against the other card and that's how we bartered. That's how we trade. Now you were involved at one time and cleared of any wrongdoing of a deadly marbles game. Is that, do I have? Marbles was not my cup of tea. Okay. Okay. I've got the wrong. But, wrong. but definitely, you know, dominoes and, yeah. and, and card games. Um, so, so yeah, so baseball cards, when I was growing up in the early, I would say mid-80s to late, I would say mid-90s, that was kind of my sweet spot of uh, collecting. Um, like Jake said, everything was overproduced. Uh, at the time, we didn't know that. Um, and then we also collected during a horrible time for superstars, right? So everybody knows about the steroid era that drove the prices way down. So, um, you know, I I bought high, I held. And now you're stuck. Now I'm sitting on junk wax. Pennies. <laughs> from 10 years of collecting in my life. And of course the wife is all like, when are you going to sell this stuff? <laughs> well, there's, you know, I, I'm, I'm old school, right? You know, I was like, okay, I have two girls. Um, hopefully, if they have boys, I can sit them down when they're old enough and say, look, this is what your grandfather collected. Mm-hmm. It's not worth a whole lot, but it's in the, it, to me, it's nostalgia. And, and, and I think that's kind of where the hobby has uh, kind of taken off again uh, because COVID, you know, you've got all these, yeah. all these boys now that are super collectors. Because their dad were, you know, our age, we were super into the hobby, right? So, um, but we didn't have all the gimmicky, you know, um, super collectible, super rare cards. We didn't have the grading system. We didn't have the internet. Um, So it was, you know, it was very much going from card show to card show or, you know, shop to shop and learning, learning the trade. Uh, and that's kind of how I got my, uh, how I cut my teeth into uh, into the hobby. So, I mean, your collection was literally valued, or you know, what you had uh, upwards of a hundred thousand dollars. Very close to, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you were to if you were to grade these cards today, um, you know, even with grading, it would be a fraction of what right what Beckett told us it was right. And, and we always, we always got a, I guess a big kick out of the hobby, like who drove basically who, who determined the price, right? It was, it was very speculative. Yeah. 
but it was also probably driven by the dealers. I, I, I would, I think it would be funny if it was just a big scam and perhaps it was, I mean, it's just some subjective number that some dude is like, yeah, this one's worth about, nah, let's, let's put it at two and a quarter this week, $2 and 25 cents this month. Yeah. And then he hits seven home runs that month and it's up to three and a quarter or something like that. I mean, I think it was subjective. Well, and of course, ultimately, it starts with how many are printed first, right? And then you go well, from there. Not then. Not then. I don't think now. Anybody... Now, yes, circulation plays a big part, right? So we talked about like when we were growing up, it was twenty cards in a pack. It was just a base set. There was no inserts. There were no numbered cards. There were no autographs. There were no game used memorabilia cards inside. Mm-hmm. Now it's like they trick it up to where paying for five cards and it's you know super rare you know you can't find them anywhere you can't even like you know you can still go to like walmart target no you know, no well not even more no uh, you know their th- shelves are bare well another thing that happened if you if i recall this correctly target pulled their sports cards in around 2020 2021 due to massive brawls that were taking place inside the store from dudes like throwing down over like I want those packs that, that that last box of you know panini whatever you know lead or whatever right yeah. so it's like a black friday sale every day wow. to the point where they had to pull them huh and they I don't think the, I mean I'll look I don't the last I checked which was not long ago I, they're not back I've, every once in a while, I'll go to that section. You know, it's a little hobby section that has the Pokemons and the, and the uh, video game type uh, memorabilia. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you'd look for sports cards and they're just not there. You know, it's just. But, you know, again, I, I just got kind of disenfranchised with the whole industry. Um, you know, chalk it up to just getting older and chasing other. Hey, did you ever rip anybody things. off in a trade? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Oh, you know, and, and, and a lot of times you feel really bad afterwards because oh. you were probably like, you know, four or five years older than the kid. That you... Oh, you would rip off a kid? <laughs> no, no, no. Not as an adult. He's No, but like you were, if you were now, hold on. 16, you'd rip off a 10-year-old? Maybe he, not that he's young. He's been referred to as a sports card gangster. Oh, yeah. I forgot what his name was. Never mind. And others like... Sports a card. ten-year-old kid refers to him as a sports card bully. These are well-earned names that. Yes. Uh, well, you that know, junk you, wax can, you can talk acquired. a tw- you can talk a twelve-year-old into into thinking that 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 you've got something really good. And this Kevin Moss guy, he's gonna be the next big thing. Trust me on this. Trust me. What an sob. All right. <laughs> um. So yes, you use the power of persuasion. Um, and thankfully I'm a pretty decent salesman, so mm-hmm. you can, you can really sell the sizzle of something that, you know, is going to not be, um, you know, as desirable the next month. Maybe you saw the, the down arrow in that, in that Beckett a couple times and you just knew you had to unload it. Right. So, yeah. um, that was kind of, that was kind of, you know, you, you played this, basically you're playing the stock market, right? You're hoping that you can sell high and buy low, right? I, I, this this stuff even back then though, it could turn an honest kid. Oh yeah, no, and, I there were there were times that there was a lot of temptations there. Um, you know, a lot of opportunity to 
you know, to steal a card or to swipe a pack here and there. And I actually wasn't talking about anything that serious, but uh, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> Bring maybe, it in. Maybe we should open a Signal 51 on Junk on Wax. Junk Wax Jockins and the Escapades from 1989. But you can see that, you know, you, you can use sports cards as currency, right? So, and if you know that there's an easy opportunity to go into a card shop, whether it be breaking into it or swiping something at a card show, because it happens every day. Oh, yeah. there's there Yeah, it does. It still does. That if you get your hands on something and you can fi- figure out a way to you know, put it online or find a card shop across town that isn't going to, you know, pay attention to it. See, I think that's what makes it's hard now, though, because I mean, because because of the numbering. Yeah, because of the number, because if it literally, OK, if there's only 10 in the nation and just like you said, the guy noticed that it was a six of 10. Yeah, it's Joe Montana. Yeah. Yeah. How many? Right. There's 10 of them. So. So, yeah, it's easier to basically finger somebody and say yeah you did it or somebody gave you this card but back then i mean it was just like all the cards looked the same yeah they had none of them were unique there was no variation nothing unique about them um but super highly collectible we didn't know at the time again we didn't know at the time how mass produced it was and we also didn't think that all of our childhood heroes were going to be jacked up on steroids that were going to control basically george brett was never jacked up on steroids that was was the 80s he was nor was bo jackson he was more on greenies right more likely more greenies greenies was the the methamphetamines i don't think he was on greenies either Mm, like everybody was everybody in the 80s was or 60s not george brett Hey, Not that's hey, that, that 160, 154 game schedule, 162 game schedule. Yep. You need a little pick me up every now and then. Mm, you just be a stellar athlete. <laughs> the, Have you man, that? the man watched another man die okay. at the Lions Club. No, I don't think the guy died. Oh. But he does also have the classic story of being in Vegas. Have you guys ever heard this? I don't remember this. He one. goes to a spring training. This is probably some 15, 20 years ago, and he's talking to this rookie. And he's telling him about this experience he had in Vegas at some event. And he went to, like so many do in Vegas, goes to the buffet. Well, maybe, I don't know, I have a hard time thinking he went to a buffet. But perhaps he did. And he ate something that didn't go over so well. Probably all you can eat crab legs, right? It was crab legs, I do believe. And he tells this story how, you know, those hotels, I mean, a walk from one to another, it's a little bit of a, a jaunt, if you will. And uh, <laughs> I guess the food didn't settle so well, so he tells a story about how he crapped his pants in Vegas. What? Yeah. It was a oh poor gosh. George Brett. I, I remember that story. It's a good one. I like him telling it. It's good. It's he, a good story. He also had the hemorrhoids problem in in uh, 85 World Series, maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe earlier than that. Some have said that's the best World Series in baseball history. Oh. No, the Cardinals aren't. got screwed. No, they didn't. Dinkinger missed that call. No. <laughs> <laughs> Said no one ever. So, okay, uh. so Junk Wax gives us the perspective of a kid. Every kid becomes an entrepreneur basically back then, right? Don't you think? Of course. A yeah, peddler. Yeah. No, you, you felt like the king of the block, man. If you had that card... Or, you know, if your collection was superior than everyone else, you just felt you felt like a kingpin, right? Yeah. But here's where it also, like we talked about, 
it turned it had the ability i learned from an adult go back to the 1971 tops the black borders back then you know this was you know they had the little fray on the corner there were some workarounds on that to get it back to that perfect black color with a little fine felt tip pen and if you had a steady hand you can you can make a card that was near mint mint yeah absolutely not exactly really yeah oh yeah yeah an exacto knife and a felt an tip black knife. marker can do work wonders yeah. uh i guess i guess the black market is is entrepreneurship in some degree but i guess most of my cards when i was growing up were tops i never i never really got into i never got into panini so what uh what was the uh well that they're, they're they were they were king right so they were panini, the but they were the first yeah panini yeah so they were they were first and then if, if you recall in the early 80s that's when other uh, you know other brands started popping yeah. up right so you had your fleers and your don russ fleers don your score well it was because mlb and i did research this it's because that none of the other manufacturers had an mlb an mlb license oh right only tops had it up until the early or around 82 somewhere in that mm-hmm. time frame that's why you started seeing all the other ones pop up it was a bunch of lawsuits like i mean it was a tumultuous time yeah, it was a it was a licensing industry. issue there um yeah you know you had a monopoly on the industry and yeah and then the 80s just kind of kind of blossomed you know upper deck was the other one i was trying to think of 1989 yeah so in closing I still can't find the logic in burglarizing these stores. I mean, they're getting away with, they're not getting caught, right? Obviously, everyone that we've researched, nobody's been caught. But it's so hard to resell the loot. It seems like it. You have to go on the black market to do it. You got to go on the black market. And that person's screwed with. Exactly. Yeah, you're going to get, I mean, granted, if something's worth money, let's just say you steal something, you can't like, resell it in town or, or get online because of the serial numbers people are watching yeah you'd, you you're probably going to get you know pennies on the dollar for yeah. whatever whatever you have i mean to me the squeeze isn't worth the juice on it mm-hmm. in my lot or the way i look at it i mean if you break in and steal in that one case fifty thousand dollars worth you're not going to get fifty thousand in return you're probably i don't need that it number one it's a small market right most most what's the saying birds of a feather flock together right Mm -hmm. so most crooks probably aren't sports card collectors so trying to resell them that becomes an issue so i i don't don't know i I mean again i think and just like we learned in the um uh, american dreams case less than 24 hours later suspect in custody not necessarily charged with the burglary because the two suspects in that case were both males according to the surveillance video it was a female that was trying to resell them but you know obviously this is a uh, little bit more light-hearted than what we normally do but still a problematic issue and and i think the other thing is, is you're talking about small business owners too man i mean like these and guys they, that are losing the vast majority of their inventory from yeah, one that's, event that's the real it's the mom and pops that that really um, they it, you know stealing from a mom and pop is 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 horrible and for any small business owner you know you know you know when when you do when somebody does that 
uh, it really, you know, it can really put you back, um, you know, financially, um, you know, just you're, you're having to spend all that money, you know, making it right and paying for additional, you know, uh, security and, uh, you know, retail in, in general is taking a huge hit on this and, and um, we're going to have to figure it out. We're going to have to figure it out. All right. Well, Junk Wax, thank you for joining us on this day in March. Hey, we got to give the American Dreams guy, Scott Mann, a yes. little yeah. shout out because yes. he did take time out of his day to talk to us and he's opening up a new store. He uh, departed Haltom City doing some research on facebook and it appears that uh, a few other burglaries or what were described as robberies probably burglaries by the definition of law have happened uh which forced him in haltom city yeah forced him to relocate but relocate Dang. close to the roxo media house studios relatively 2901 altamere suite 200 yeah. big, big grand opening big this grand weekend. opening this saturday so it should be pretty cool Come, come get some junk wax. You and uh, Jake, you and junk wax going down there to see the. Uh, yeah, I'm. Hey, I'm. I, I cut told the him. ribbon. Yeah, I told him. I'm, I'm going. I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm getting back in. I'm. I'm diving in head first. Yeah, I bet you are. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode, and perhaps the next one might be a bit more serious. I bet it will be. Uh, we gotta take a break from that sometime. So. Oh yeah, for sure. It's good. Sure. It's good to have some levity. Yeah, levity. Levity's good. And, uh, yeah, for sure. All right. Until next time, Signal Fifty One Chronicles YouTube, the usual like, subscribe, all that stuff, and your preferred podcast platform. On every single one of those. All it's of on them. every single one of those. Every one of them. All right. That'll do it. See ya. Roxo Media House.